Welcome to Out of the Blank. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast with no direction at all. Don Jeffries, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show, man. What's up? Good to be with you, Robbie. Pretty excited. I haven't slept yet. <laughs> hey, when I when I was younger, I did that. I, I've never slept much in my life. So I, I pulled some uh, 35. I think the most I ever did was uh, I couldn't sleep at Disney World once when the kids were little. And I, I forget how many hours it was. It got it to be 40, 50 some hours, I think. When you first got interested into the assassination, did you have sleep a lot? I've never slept well. And the assassination, getting into the assassination didn't make it any easier. I mean, you know, I, would, I spent way too much time thinking about it. But if there had been an internet back then where I could, I could obsess with it all night, I, I had to sit and read books, you know, which I, I did. But if I had something like the internet, like you have, to sit, then it, it would probably, I probably would have gotten even less sleep. Last night, I was like, well, it's only like 10 p.m. I can read the whole entire church committee report, and it's 651 pages. And next thing I know, it's like 7 a.m. And I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of hungry just a little bit. I'm going to eat some breakfast after reading about MK Ultra and a bunch of other stuff. But it's like, I mean, come on. Dude, they just released new documents. Obviously, this is all pre-recorded, so it's going to come out a little bit later. But, I mean, what did you think? I mean, I'm not going to do – I mean, I, it's only been like a couple of days technically since they released it when we're recording this. Um, when it's released, it'll obviously for people listening, this will be a couple weeks later. But, I mean, they had people on there interviewing like, what did you find in the 13,000 documents released? And they're like, uh, I, it's, it's the next day. What, uh, what do you expect? And to be honest, it's not as crazy when you start looking through a lot of these documents. Some of them are like one page um and then they have like a sentence or something and then it goes on to another thing but i got to page like 57 in one night and then as i was reading there's like a 20 page report thing i was reading through it and one of the pages they laminated they did it upside down and you couldn't read it and it looked like you had to read it through a mirror and i was like all right you have plenty of time to fucking scan these as long as you want and release it normally so people can read it but it's like you know you got to look upside down in a mirror and hold it and then spin around three times and say bloody Mary to be able to read what the document <laughs> says. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that's, again, that's nothing new, but you go back to uh, Harold Weisberg. I remember, you know, I was impressed by so many things with him, but when he was writing, he, he was the first one to talk about because he was always suing under freedom of information Act uh, to try to get this document or that document. And the FBI, especially under Hooper, who I think was the, the leader of the cover-up, uh, they would mimeo, they would Xerox documents multiple times to make them almost illegible before they finally released them. So this is something you've always had. Jim DiEugenio, when he was on uh, Jesse Waters, amazingly enough, the other night, uh, held up some pages and showed this is a five-page document. He showed like how every other page was blank, and uh, you know one page had like one sentence on it or something. So this this is nothing new. They've been doing, and not to mention the redactions, you know, because a lot of these documents are released and they're worthless. Because you can't, the names are redacted out. The, the meat of the uh, the document is sometimes, you don't even know what it's about half the time. So I I don't get that excited on document release. Of course, everything should be released. Nothing should be uh, withheld at all. Nothing ever should have been withheld. 
But at this point, they said they're not going to they're not going to have a, a a document that delineates the conspiracy. They're going to put on paper that the Secret Service is going to stand down. They've already cleared this, you know, <laughs> with the director and uh, you know LBJ is in full knowledge and uh, Jagger Hoover is going to run the cover up. The CIA, you know, this is coming out of the CIA. Alan Dulles is on. I mean, you're not going to have that. The Joint Chiefs of Staff approved it uh, because they're they don't put those kinds of things on paper. And so I don't know what people are expecting. It's interesting. I've I've never been one to uh, to call. I, I will go online and look at documents, of course, but uh, I don't get that excited about them. You know, the document released in the last 10 years, the only document that had any interest to me was the one that just verified what we already should have known. And that was that the mayor of Dallas, uh, Earl Cabell, at the time of the assassination, was a CIA asset, like his brother Charles Cabell, who was fired along with Dulles and uh, Richard Bissell after the Bay of Pigs. So that, but that just verified something researchers should know. So for people that have been researching this long enough, uh, there, there's not going to be anything new here. But of course, I support the releases. What, what, what I'm interested in is reaction to it, and particularly the media response and Tucker Carlson. That was what interests me here. I want to touch on a few things, mostly like the Hoover stuff, but also the, the are you happy with what Tucker Carlson did? Because in my opinion, I don't, I have very, first of all, I felt verified. Um, I don't like Carlson. He's much like Nancy Grace to me. Whenever I hear it, my kind of ears start to bleed a little bit, um, which I'm sure he, he did a great thing. I think that was the first time media has ever reported something like that. I've, I've been saying that same thing for months, not only about Joyon West and Jack Ruby, but also Charles Manson, Donald DeFreeze, and so many other like Timothy McVeigh. And then I had so many people message me like, oh, wait, it's real. I'm like, it took you for a, a newscaster, Tucker Carlson with a childlike haircut to pop up on the news and tell everybody <laughs> that, you know, there's this weird connection that, I mean, I had the documents. I went, I have his death certificate, Ruby's death certificate. I have his autopsy report, which is different from his death certificate. I have his psychiatric records with uh, Joy on West signature at the bottom of it. And then I have a little personal letter about Jack Ruby's mental health while Joy on West was visiting him. And also the statements from people that said Jack was fine. So, I mean, I went very deep into that, but what was interesting to me was that I thought he died of cancer. Um, that's not the official autopsy report. I had John Orr on here and me and him kind of went, it's funny. I had him on before Tucker Carlson made a statement and like the next day, Tucker Carlson says all this. And then he messages me. He's like, wait a minute. Was this what you were telling me? I was like, yes. I was like, yes. And, um, we, we got, we were sending messages back and forth. Um, and he sent me his death certificate and on his death certificate, he had a, bronchular or carcinoma or something like that but there was a secondary thing that was the cancer that they found the first thing was that he had a blood clot that went from his leg unto his lung or something like that and then they said there was multiple needle marks in his leg and i was like well what the hell was going on in his leg that because earlier that day he was reported being fine the secondary cause was that cancer but i also have a x-ray of 126 x-rays they gave him in a matter of two weeks so it doesn't matter if you're injecting them with cancer or not you're giving them a massive amount of x-rays well they're the needle marks uh, you know he did say they injected him with cancer he was one of the first ones to come up with that so uh, yeah that's very interesting and i i like the way you're looking over these uh these documents we should question all of this but uh yeah i didn't expect i i have become more and more a fan of tucker carlson because he, to me he reminds me a lot of pat buchanan pat buchanan was a nixon republican very conservative uh typical republican and uh, but when he ran for president, it's kind of a renegade. When he went up to New Hampshire, he met a lot of those people in the factories that have been thrown out of work by our disastrous trade deals and immigration. And uh, it changed him. 
dramatically. And he became a real, and he became the, he, he is still the staunchest anti-war voice in this country in my lifetime. He's been against every one of our involvement since Vietnam, which I think he supported because he loved Nixon then. But every other war he's been against, he's been very consistent about it. So he changed. And I think I'm seeing some of that in Tucker Carlson, where he came from this kind of, you can tell he was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth and never has been a working class guy or anything, but something, I don't know if it was Trump or whatever, but there's a huge change in him. And he talks about these things. And now, especially, I know he had Gerald Poser on his show last year. And uh, and before the 9-11 people, he would seem to say, I don't even want to talk about it and everything. But I think when he had Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on and talked to him for like an hour on a special show, uh, I think that had an impact on him because he started, you know, adopting a little bit of a different tone. But Regardless of what his motivation is, you can't argue. I mean, did you ever think that a Jolly on West would be uh, his name would ever appear <laughs> on a television network? I mean, he just kind of. And he also talked about the memo, the infamous CIA memo that, that uh, invented, basically invented the term conspiracy theorist, and he called out every CIA director that they've had. And uh, so, you know, it was, I don't know what more people could have asked him to do, but I, I was looking on the forums, and of course, they all hate Tucker Carlson, most of these guys, because of Trump. And, and, and you know, Tucker Carlson's no fan of trouble. That's my issue. Like, I don't think Tucker Carlson's like a bad reporter, or bad journalist. I just some some of the things he says a little bit mockingly or like kind of like condescendingly, like like I have to rub it in your face that I'm right. And that's fine if that's his obvious style. Or but what I'm scared of was the issue of I was trying to keep the right wing and the left wing thing out of this and kind of talk, tackle it like Dr. Cyril Wex says. Um, when I spoke with him, he talked about it doesn't matter if you're uh, conservative, liberal. Democrat, Republican, any of that stuff. This is your president and your president was just killed. And that's kind of like the issue here. Whenever we talk about the Kennedy uh, assassination, people either say it was a right wing conspiratorial plot or it was this. It doesn't even matter if it was that time. And you're talking about that political affiliation of back then. And we obviously know that the ones today have switched over or changed. Left seems like they went way far left. Right seems like they went a little bit closer, more to conservative style. I mean, it doesn't even matter about any of that. But when you say those words, anybody that I identifies with that like if i just made this simple statement screw uh liberals screw democrats screw republicans screw conservatives can screw them all there's going to be someone that's gonna be like <gasps> and taken back like clutching their pearls and that means you identify with your political party over the name you were given at birth and that's a problem so it's like how do we so when i saw Tucker carlson do that i was like well thank god somebody's reporting it but then i started thinking oh my god this is going to get labeled a right-wing conspiracy this is going to get labeled something like how we can't talk about jan 6 we can't talk about donald trump we can't talk about anything and it's just going to be this constantly where there's going to be no answers because the opposite side is not going to want to look into an obvious abuse of the government now we know that abuses happen in the government and the largest thing that's taught in history is abuses to a certain ethnicity once you start realizing it's not about the ethnicity as much, it's more about how much power and how people can abuse the hell out of it. Where do they not ask questions when they go to test out drugs in MKUltra? I'll give you a couple of guesses because there's multiple answers. Where would they go first? Where would they go when they don't ask questions? You mean, where would they go to test the people? They, they test it on prisoners, mental patients, orphans. I mean, you know, that's people a, that are yeah. devalued by society. It does not matter what their race is. It's just people that if they went to go do an interview, nobody would listen to them or reporters are not going to be snooping around. That's why we had insane asylums open for so long before they started to get like Willowbrook State School, all these things. They're the, some of the biggest scandals in history. 
And I mean, I mean, you can even point it back to this, one of the most famous serial killers, Janine Jones, the baby killer who killed like 60 something babies and in the institution that knew that she was the cause of a lot of these deaths just pushed her to another one because they didn't want the scandal. The hospital didn't want the reputation burn. So once you get on the level that like there's this idea of protecting a reputation, I think me and you talked about this last time in the 21 or yeah, 21 release that came across Garrison's attempts to embarrass the agency was a document name. I found another one about Garrison's attempts to embarrass the agency. And you start kind of examining this and you start realizing these aren't just people that are outright targeting. And I'm sure there's certain racist things out there as well, too. But I mean, this is also a power grab thing. Not, I mean, not even a power grab, just I have power. I could do whatever the hell I want with it. And when you start seeing people that are attacking what I would call a deep state, you know, you get a document like Garrison's attempts to embarrass the agency. I mean, it's all about respecting their reputations. That's how they do with movies and they influence propaganda and films to make them look good. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, what you're saying with Tucker Carlson is it, uh, I believe is again, the, how the, how the right left paradigm has shifted completely in my lifetime. Again, I've told many times before I started out as a, a very young radical, but as far left as can be. I mean, I, the Republicans were the bad guys to me. I thought the Democrats were the good guys for the most part. And uh, I was a civil libertarian. You know, Mark Lane was my hero. I was a teenage volunteer with this group. And uh, that was my world. And the left at that time were concerned about free speech. They were the ones that were anti-war. They were the ones that distrusted the CIA. You talked about the church hearings. That was one of the good Democrats I liked a lot. I, I, I was supported him when he ran for president. Frank Church died way too young. But he was a good man. And they, they used to have Democrats. Uh, cancer, but you know, again, I'm suspicious of everything. He was only about 50 ish. I've, uh, I've heard that there was something suspicious about Frank Church's death, and I was just like, I haven't gotten there well, yet. it's just, just that it, it happened pretty young, and uh, he did seem to have a bright political career. But you know, people forget what kind of balls that took at the time, you know, because uh, Kennedy was the first president again to to really go against the CIA and you know, say behind the scenes, I mean, he was thinking seriously of abolishing it. I mean, he, he basically tried to defang it and put Bobby Kennedy in charge of the intelligence around him. And of course, that just incensed them. And plus, he had fired Alan Dulles and Bissell and the mayor of Dallas's brother, Cavell, uh, after the Bay of Pigs. So he's, obviously, they despised him. And uh, he, he, I mean, just think of any president today that would think about maybe abolishing this. Trump had said, you know, I'm going to abolish the CIA. But what happened is Trump, the introduction of Trump into this, and I, I call it the Trumpenstein Project. He's very much like Frankenstein's monster, where uh, he was introduced, I think, to divide the country and to get a lot of the uh, the populist sentiment out there to rally behind uh, things that he would never even attempt. And that's what he did. But he he destroyed the left. And now that's why you see I was I, I go to the JFK forums when things like this happen just to see. And they were salivating. They were they were refused to even acknowledge that what Tucker Carlson said was good. Or anything, and I I said the same thing that Bobby Kennedy Jr. said separately, and that that is this is the most amazing mainstream media coverage of the subject that I've seen in 59 years, and that's exactly what it was, regardless of what the motivation was. I mean, I, I but the problem is the left because of Trump, and they still somehow associate people like Tucker Carlson with Trump, and they associate conspiracy theories. I saw it all in the forum. Oh, or you know his his audience loves conspiracy theories. Well. What are you? You're, you're devoting your life to a conspiracy theory, supposedly about JFK. So it wouldn't surprise me if Donald Trump himself came out. He would never do this. But if he did come out 
strongly and say, yeah, Tucker Carlson was right. You know, CIA did do it. I think you would see a lot of these guys in the forums, a lot of the high-profile critics just start saying Oswald did it because that's how much they hate this guy. They would just discredit their entire life's work. And so you're right. We have to take the left and right thing out of it. I like this when Cyril Weck, what he said, it's what did the guy do? Okay, we can look at Tucker Carlson's motivations. It's unexpected to come from him. But it's still pretty amazing that he did it. He did it two nights in a row. Now, we'll see this week if he continues the story. I, I kind of doubt it. But it, he did two fairly in-depth reports on it in a row. Uh, he had, you know, when I saw Jim Diogenio on uh, uh, Jesse Waters, that but John Barber, my buddy, you know, he called me up and we talked. And he wrote an email to, John, to Jesse Waters talking about him and me, you know, because that, that gives hope to maybe somebody like me to be on there if they're going to put platforms out there for people like us. So this, you know, could be an exciting time. It could be nothing. We'll never hear anything more about it, but uh, I, I just, I take it at face value and I think you got to give them credit, whatever the motivation was. I just before, cause I have a, I'm going to show both those videos so we can talk about them as well too. Um, I agree with you hundred um, percent, but I was going to read this when I was looking on my phone cause I can't send it to myself, but this was from the church committee report. Like I said, I was doing this. I think this was around three o'clock in the morning. So hopefully it makes sense. Cause I was just, everything to me at that point was just interesting, but um, it was about the secrecy on the basis of national security and kind of what they talked about. Now at a point they did talk about wanting to publish the funding that the CIA was receiving for a lot of their clan our clandestine operational activity. William Colby thought it would be inappropriate to do so, but he stated if we made one public statement about it, published it in a newspaper, and maybe sales pitched it a certain way, then obviously the public could get their curiosities would be fulfilled. And we wouldn't have to go into where exactly all that funding was going from. Now, I, I do have a couple of documents I can talk about on my phone as well, too, from the church committee report about books that they were going to publishing companies and authors as a part of Operation Mockingbird and publishing books, no matter how much money they were going to make. It was just to pitch a certain narrative on a CIA activity or event that might have occurred that they didn't want to get on top of in the history books, which I think is an important issue. And a lot of this stuff, like even... The church committee was backing down a lot about stuff like, I mean, the CIA, you know, they were activating on domestic land, but we gave them the clause that if we just talked about a national security interest, we wouldn't have to go into the specifics of the CIA or the FBI. And I'm just sitting there like, are you you guys are doing exactly what the HSCA did? And you're just going with the punches. You're just going with the flow. You're not even standing down. And they did expose some stuff, but I feel like they could have got a hell of a lot more. But obviously, it's Monday back quarterbacking. I won't do that. Um it says recent presidents have justified this secrecy on the basis of national security, the requirements of national defense or the confidentiality required by sensitive ongoing negotiations or operations. These justifications were generally accepted at face value. The Bay of Pigs fiasco, the secret war in Laos, the secret bombing of Cambodia, the anti-Allende activities in Chile, the Watergate affair were all instances of the use of power cloaked in secrecy, which when revealed, provoked widespread popular disapproval. This series of events has ended for the time being at least passive and uncritical acceptance by the Congress of executive decisions in the areas of foreign policy, national security, and intelligence activities. If Congress had met its oversight responsibilities, some of these activities might have been averted. An examination of the scope of secret intelligence activities undertaken in the past three decades reveals that they range from war to conventional espionage. It appears that some United States intelligence activities may have violated treaty and convenient or uh yeah convenient 
obligations, but more importantly, the rights of United States citizens have been infringed upon. Despite citizen and congressional concern about these programs, no processes or procedures have been developed by either the Congress or the executive branch, which would assure Congress of access to secret information, which it must have to carry out its constitutional responsibilities in authorizing and giving its advice and consent. The hindsight of history suggests that many secret operations were ill-advised or might have been more beneficial to the United States interest had they been conducted openly rather than secretly. What is a valid national secret? What can properly be concealed from the scrutiny of the American people from various segments of the executive branch or from a duly constituted oversight body of their elected representatives? Assassination plots, the overthrow of an elected democratic government, drug testing on unwitting American citizens, obtaining millions of private cables, massive domestic spying by the CIA and the military, the illegal opening of mail, attempts by an agency of the government to blackmail a civil rights leader. These have occurred and each have been withheld from scrutiny by the the public and the Congress by the label of secret intelligence. So when they tell me they're holding documents for national security reasons or secret intelligence, just know that's the basis for the argument where I just start going, I don't give a shit. I just don't, I can't, at this point, I'm like, look, you're not going to let us know. That's fine. Any important smoking gun documents are going to be destroyed. There's no way they let it hold it this long, unless they really thought the general public would not be fighting it almost 60 years later. So there's no, there's not going to be an Oswald didn't do it document, but there's a lot of stuff to show the abuses of the government power that do need to be checked again. And if that rings in for another church committee hearing or another committee of that oversight, um, some antitrust organizations that are out there that could probably do a way better job than me just speaking on a fucking podcast. But I think it's that's kind of something that should be brought up again. I mean, we really need to know about the issues that were going on in Mexico City. There was a hundred thousand dollars total back in the what is it, the sixties. That's a lot of money. It's way more than what it is now, but that was funded into Mexico. And nobody knows exactly, and that was in the 22 release, and nobody knows where that money went to. It has not been disclosed. If that's a document that they're withholding, I would like to know what the hell was going on in Mexico City, just to verify, for God's sakes, if Oswald was there. I mean, good Lord, that's the most back and forth contention I've ever heard in the community. That and um, the, the, the last minute motorcade route change which you don't even need that. It was published on the 19th that he was going by that book depository building. The argument's over with, like, unless he had fucking telepathic mutant abilities to be able to know that he, to get a job there a month before that plot either was in the works for a long time. I mean, he could have shot Kennedy at a podium standing still, not moving 75 yards away and farther, you know, like there, there's just things that just common sense doesn't really add up i mean if you had like what five days to prepare four days to prepare it's the 17th of the 19th that's another controversial take um but he picked the smallest window he could have went to the opposite corner and easily got a way better shot i mean bill hicks joke i can't even see the fucking road like it's they're valid and they're funny because it makes sense at a real thing when you start looking at a benign cover-up i don't think that's conspiracy i think what i just read you a document that talks about security abuses and what they would call national security that would get labeled a conspiracy. Well, damn it. I put in the work to look through the evidence and look through the documentation. I went to Oswald's autopsy to see he got a gunshot wound or whatever in the line of duty. Everybody knows that, but nobody knows why his autopsy report never talked about a scarring from a gunshot wound. So either the autopsy was half-assed. The only gunshot wound they talked about was the one Ruby made. So that's, I mean, I don't know anybody out there that's listening. You go ahead, search it up, check it. Well, it. you know, the, the, again, that's, that's, there's so many, uh, 
myths around Oswald, or we don't know if they're myths or not. And one of them is that you're, I, I assume you're talking about the gunshot. Wasn't that when he attempted to kill himself? Because I, I don't think he was ever, I, I don't think he was ever wounded in any kind of line of duty. I think they claimed he tried to kill himself. I, I brought it up with Blakey when he was on the show. Um, no, he actually got a gunshot wound in the line of duty. Um, when he did try and kill himself, that's a whole separate issue. And that is even controversial because he left the hospital. He left the hospital five days later. And I think I agree with Greg Parker on this. He says that Russia's medic uh, health system um, where he went to the hospital was, is probably way more thorough and better than ours. So he probably did something small to his wrists um, yes, and yeah. was held there a lot longer. Well, our- I, I would just be dubious about it. Anything with Oswald. I, I'm not sure, you know, the, the gunshot in the line of duty, for some reason I was associating that with his uh, alleged suicide, even though they claimed he cut his wrist, but I don't know what could he have, what kind of duty did he have where he would, have gotten a gunshot. I don't. I, there's so many. <laughs> you answer that, I, that one for me, and it, then someone else, please answer the fact that he got a venereal disease in the line of duty because I still don't know that one. Well, there that and that could be tied into again. He supposedly you have these stories about a uh, kind of a Matahari over there that he was uh, having an affair with. That uh, you know was it from that? I don't know, but I mean he was at at Sugi, which was uh, required a top sec- a security clearance, but. Again, John Armstrong's research is very important in this because these kinds of things, again, they maybe a, a two Oswalds explain this stuff. I don't know, because the, the, the Oswald, that's that's why Oswald's body was killed, or whoever was buried under his name. What about the mastoidectomy st- scar and the, the missing tooth and all the all, all these kinds of things? His tonsils being removed. He was missing a tooth. Well, he had if you remember that that fav, uh, the, the uh, famous picture in high school. Well, so I guess he had it replaced more whatever when he um, he's he's smiling toothless in the photo taken by his childhood buddy Edward Voible, who I've one of the many, many strange deaths in this kid, very strange deaths. And I've tried to reach his family and you know, it's impossible to reach them to find out more about it. his father certainly thought it was suspicious. But um, I guess it's Voible or Vobel. But he took that picture. And I, I said at the time, you know, how many I don't remember that many when I was in high school where pictures would be taken by of one student by another inside a classroom. But uh, he's happened to take one of Oswald. He's turned around smiling and he's, uh, he's, he's missing a tooth because he supposedly has been in a fight. And uh, so these are the kind of questions that people ask because there, there's so many differences between uh, people's remembrances of Lee and what, what John Armstrong will call Lee and Harvey. So I, I question everything to do with whoever Lee Harvey Oswald was. So anything, I don't take anything at face value. It doesn't surprise me that his autopsy report had lots of questions because, I mean, there, there's a whole school of thought that said the, the wound to his abdomen or whatever should not have been fatal. And that when they tried mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, they in effect killed him. Well, the dumbest thing I've heard about him getting shot besides Jack Ruby didn't do it. I mean, that's yeah. fine. I haven't <laughs> dived down that. I don't want to dive down the Israel thing again either. I had somebody tell me that and I was like, you know, I'm Ashkenazi, right? Like, and it just glossed right over it. Doesn't matter. I'm going to keep telling you about how they run Hollywood. I'm like, oh God. Um, but there's is that when he has his hands like this, and people are like, you see, he's putting up the Castro fist for bones. I'm like, that's what I see when I watch cops and someone shows that they're handcuffed. Like, hey, I'm fucking handcuffed, man. But the, even when he was dead, apparently he did that as well too. Which I mean. Dude, I, I don't know. Even with the photos in high school, I couldn't speak about that because, I mean, I grew up in a generation where everyone was – they took a selfie when we were dissecting a pig. Well, that's 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 right. You, you're complete. But, but believe me, this, I was in there long before cell phones, and I, I, I just – I don't know. I guess they would have let you carry a camera around school. I never saw anybody doing it. How big was it? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, how, well, I mean, they, they had smaller. I mean, I, I had a little Minox camera that was very not, not this, or yeah, I think it was Minox. Minox is the spy camera that he had. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe it was Minox. What's the other one? Uh, yeah, Oswald had the Minox camera. Uh, what the hell was it? It was a popular brand back then. And I was proud of it. I paid a lot of money for it. They go into universities, the CIA does, and that was happening in the 50s. So, I mean, whenever Oswald was in school, it could have been impossible. They groomed him from, you know, his school days and brought him in. I mean, that was in the church committee report that I read, I think, at four o'clock in the morning. So, I mean, take that for what you will. I think I screenshotted it, too. Let's hope. Um, I'll pull that up. But, I mean, that's I mean, that's a good theory. Is I didn't know about the missing tooth because, I mean, that brings to my theory about how he might have had, like, a swollen jaw or infection or something that could have had his in those backyard photographs. But, I mean, he would and I had someone recently tell me Oswald did it, and I know for sure. And I just go, why do you think that? And he goes, well, I'm friends with Max Holland. And I go, okay. I go, tell me. And he goes, Oswald did it for attention. And I just go, well, why would he state he was a patsy? And the guy goes, well, you know what? I, and he was like trying to skip over it. I was like, well, they're honest questions. Like, for God's sakes, man. I mean, there's a bunch of things that don't make sense. And I don't really know a person that when they have a second kid, not even a month later, decides they're going to try and take out the president. And then also starts firing at other people's targets at a shooting range. I mean, this isn't like even trying to piss off lone nutters or anything. This is just like, I think you can ask these reasonable questions. And I think the questions, if you have answers to them, then good. Like, let's talk about it and try and figure out what those things are. But this is what the general public has to be brought in on the discussion. And, you know, that's an important, I mean, besides me and you ranting about, you know, all this conspiratorial stuff that is eventually, I mean, we can't really call it conspiracy. Let's call it conspiracy fact. Um, but we know it because we were interested into it. That anybody listening that's not interested into the JFK assassination is kind of like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Well, you can't look at you can't look at Lee Harvey Oswald, whoever he was, and however many of them of him there were. You can't look at him as as a minimum wage loser and a guy that just uh, had decided to naively defect to Russia, and then he ends up uh, coming back in the country at the height of the Cold War comes back, isn't even debriefed by the CIA. Again, it's, un, it's, un, it's incomprehensible. He has a bride, a Russian bride, who has an uncle that is a high-ranking official in the KGB. Again, they aren't vetted at all. They go, they move to a community where they're befriended by George DeMorenshill, who is, again, Lee Harvey Oswald was uh, young enough to be his son. And uh, this, again, he's making minimum wage. He's getting a job making minimum wage at, at, at a warehouse loading books and this guy who dated Jackie Kennedy's mother, George Morningshield dated Jackie Kennedy's mother, was friends with George H.W. Bush, uh, had a huge background in intelligence and everything with the white Russian community. He's been tied to everybody and everything. There's no way in the world that's not the way relationships work. Class distinctions are very real. George DeMorenshield was at a completely different class level than Lee Harvey Oswald, if you accept him at face value, was. There's no way they would have gravitated together for any reason other than Oswald was doing something else. And there was more to him. He was some kind of an intelligence asset. I think DeMorin Schultz was probably one of his handlers. And Ruth Payne, with her background, obviously was some kind of handler as well. And, uh, you know, still alive, as you know, and uh, very much uh, objects to anybody saying that. But uh, she's clearly, she has a huge background there. And it's people, when you talk about... Uh, any negative thing about Oswald's personality, they all come pretty much from, from Ruth Payne. He beat his wife. He did all, you know, all, all this stuff. He was feeling inadequate. 
Uh, they were arguing all the time. When on the other hand, I had uh, Buell Wesley Frazier on my show a couple of times, and he stresses how popular, how much Oswald loved children and how popular it was. He told me when he would visit the Paines every Friday, the all the neighborhood kids, including his sister's kids, his niece and nephew, they would all come and just run up to him and play and say, play with us, Lee. And that the recent book by um, Jack Roth, which I'm, I'm in, I, I contributed a section to it. He talked to a couple other people that are unconnected, uh, that one of them knew Oswald as a, as, as a, uh, in high school. And, and they all stress this love of children, which is, a, you know, a very strange quality to have for this supposed uh, horrible creature. And again, they, they had, they stress what a nice guy he was. And some of the people talk about him being very sociable. Others, no, he's a loner. He's surly. So, was there more than one of them? We know he didn't own a white van because he couldn't drive. So that's a good, that's a, it's a good sign. Great sign. That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, they're just, they're just, again, there's, and again, that's why people that, object, again, I don't, I don't buy all of John Armstrong's theories because uh, he thinks that I, I don't, I don't think Lee or Harvey killed Officer Tippett. You know, there's other things about it. I don't, but, but he's trying to fit things into a theory, but there's no question something was going on around Oswald. We know that J. Edgar Hoover in 1960, there's a memo out there, I'm sure you've seen it, was asking, he was concerned that someone was using Oswald's identity. This is 1960. And I'm still trying to find out. I tried with Jim DiEugenio back when he used to communicate some, because uh, he quoted a Navy document, sourced a Navy document in uh, Destiny Betrayed, or one of his books, uh, I think, and uh, that talked about Ruth Payne asking about Lee Harvey Oswald in 1959, I think, which if he, that's a smoking gun, if that's the case, but the guy that has it, and then I talked to the guy who had it, he, he can't find the document. And he was, he was kind of a, you know, an eccentric character. We went back and forth in emails. I said, well, I just want to, I want to verify this thing exists. If it exists, if Ruth Payne was asking about Lee Harvey Oswald's four years before the assassination, four years before, basically before she knew who he was, we're told that's a smoking gun as as far as her because clearly something was afoot and uh but unfortunately again trying to find these documents and, and you can't and a lot of the people again a lot of the researchers involved as you know are difficult to deal with and they don't want to share stuff or they don't want to reveal stuff so of course the easy answer is to say okay well it doesn't exist i want to see the source but if that's the case then there's a smoking gun there's a lot more to lee harvey oswald then uh, meets the eye, obviously. But you know anybody who studied him knows that. I mean, this this guy was this guy was not just a random loser. And you can't have a on the record. You can't have one group of Marines say, "Well, you know, he called himself Private uh, Private Oswaldovich and was reading the Daily Worker openly again in the U.S. Marines during the height of the Cold War." I mean, wouldn't he have been like taken out back and beaten up by the other Marines? I mean, I, I, that doesn't make any sense. But other Marines say, oh, yeah, he was a proud Southerner, proud of the fact he'd been named after Robert E. Lee. Do those two things go together? I, I don't know. But that that's you, you need to if you study Oswald, you come up thinking, wow, that we, it, was, it was something, whatever it is here, it's not what they're telling you, that he was just some random loser that wanted to be somebody, but curiously kept denying he did the act that would have made him somebody. I just want to show some things just um, this was I, I wish I would. I don't know if you ever saw my interview with Blakey. Um, this no. came out. I mean, this this came out months ago when I well, or probably two months ago or maybe a month ago when I talked to Blakey. 
Um, and I asked about articles about JM Wave that he was requesting for. And then in the 2022 release, there's at least 40-something pages of like 50 documents per page that talk about JM Wave, um, which I just think is just like, what, why is this included into the assassination thing? It makes you ask kind of bigger questions. But this was from Scott Beckenridge to Blakey. And it's the title of this was Justifying Murder. And it was like, this this right here, which was just it was like, I don't know if this was the assassination attempts on Castro. I mean, I could read the whole thing if you want. It says I'll just start from right here. Next, as we are meeting at the end of this phase of things, it is noted that we have seen no graphics and therefore assume that there will be none of interest or relevance to the CIA. It's a, pre a preliminary observation to avoid endless listing of instances of reoccurring citation in the draft. The names of James O'Connell, Tony Verona and Juan Orta should be deleted or replaced wherever they occur. Substitutes will be suggested where they first appear peer cubella of course uh should be referred to as amlash i would like to raise a personal question on the presentation in this paragraph there are many views to you not necessarily shared by my colleagues there is as much if not more some simplistic theoretic or th rhetoric oh i'm sorry I can't, I can't see that far. I don't have my glasses on. Here, as there is uh, nature, moral principle, and you may wish to modify the language first, it is not clear whether the draft states categorical opposition to all assassinations, whatever and wherever, or uh, did I read that right? Whatever and wherever, or wherever, whether it is. Whether, the, whether, yeah, yeah, whether the draft states. That's too many in a sentence, bro. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> it is directed only to those considered by CIA, however ineffective the plans. Murder is reprehensible and contrary to the principles of civilized society. In parentheses, although lawyers make a variety of technical distinctions between different types of homicides, however, Western culture has a parallel, if necessarily subordinate, line of philosophy on the subject of tyrannicide. Writings of church philosophers, as well as other reputable thinkers, recognize the principle given special consideration these writers fail to, and it says provide a set of standards or rules for how the principle is to be applied should the question present itself. This uncertainty adds to the complexity of the question, introducing subjective tests of perception and degree aspects of life that make life uncomfortable already for those tidy minds that feel compelled to deal with everything in blacks and whites. So that's already justifying to himself. And then he really nails it in with this. Let me pose this the problem thus. Had anyone foreseen the extremes of Hitler, a truly demonic man with there have been a basis for seriously considering his assassination had he had been murdered at least six million jews would have survived not to mention the many millions more who died as a result of the war who can confidently balance the scales of that question between the rights of humanity and the larger sense in the life of hitler i recall the reports of an attempt on hitler's life during world war ii and the general approbation of american society for the heroes that tried and failed it really isn't all that simple at least not as stated in your draft introduction so my whole point in just saying saying that was he was already justifying to himself and then with a fucking movie scenario about killing hitler you know even some people movies do it like in a crib or something would you go back and kill baby hitler if you had a time machine he did it in a letter you know in an actual like investigation of trying to justify murder in a sense and i just go keep that in your mind when they start looking at things it's not necessarily about the human aspects of oh my god we can't do any killings it's the idea of if I do this, how many are going to be saved? And when you're thinking at it like that and you distort your perspective as such, you're going to do some really messed up shit like drugging innocent Americans and people in prisons. There's a article in the church committee where it was like, oh, the prisoners had informed consent. 
And then later they go down like three paragraphs down. He goes, what does a, how does a prisoner get informed consent? I'm like, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah. Well, that's, again, that's, and that's the, uh, the whole uh, ends justifies the means thing. And that's what, you know, and when people want to talk about justifiable homicide, yeah, Hitler would be the first name they clearly mentioned. Well, you know, would you have killed Hitler if you could have? Well, Okay, then. Okay, what about then, Mao or someone that's killed like way more? <laughs> would you have killed? Would you have killed Stalin? Would you have killed Pol Pot? Would you have killed uh, what's the guy? Uh, Idi Amin? I mean, uh, you know, where do you? Okay, then you say, okay, well, and then it gets down to, especially for these kinds of minds, and say, well, what about Donald Trump? And a substantial number of them would want to kill him because they hate him that much. I said, you know, so it, it gets the point with where do you draw the line? That's why. The beauty of just saying thou shalt not kill is, I think, as clear as possible. The main goal is to get the woke culture on this because Jesus Christ, I mean, where is the woke culture when you need them? They just yelled at uh, Robert Irwin, Steve Irwin's son, because he dressed up for Halloween as um, Dwight from The Office. But everyone kept commenting, how dare you dress up as Jeffrey Dahmer? And it was like, yeah, they got a lot like a bunch of people lit them back up and the whole community just went silent on that one. I was like, damn, they jumped right on that guy. And he's like one of the nicest people ever. Have you ever seen him hug a koala bear? It's the most fascinating thing I have ever seen. <laughs> well, I mean, there's the problem is that the woke community at this point, I mean, we know and the leaders of it, they applaud assassination. I use this, this example all the time. In 1976, after the church committee hearings, because of the church committee hearings, President Gerald Ford, of all people, Warren Commission member, this is not, not one of my heroes. You know, I, I certainly didn't like him. I voted for Jimmy Carter, my first uh, election I could vote for. But I didn't really like him, but I couldn't vote for a Warren Commission member. Couldn't vote for a Republican. And uh, so this guy was pressured into signing an executive order outlawing, forbidding assassination as an American tool at all. You know, we could, we could, because of the, the exposure of the Castro plots and Allende and all these others that they kind of mumbled about that we knew that, that, that they were doing. Went back to toppling Mossadegh and Iran. Uh, lots of other things like that. But uh, at the time, public opinion polls show this is how much American public opinion has changed. Showed at the time, most Americans would have been against assassinating even Hitler. This was then. This is 1976. Now, you flash forward uh, less than 50 years, I guess 40 some years in the future, when President Obama, our first black president, you know, the savior of the, of the left, this is the culmination of all they've hoped for. You know, we finally have a non white president. It's incredible. Our dreams are realized. He's there. And uh, during his administration, he actually started assassinating people openly. He droned to death this guy, um, Anwar, I can't forget his name. Uh, I can't pronounce his name, but you know who he is. He was an American citizen, but he was a supposed suspected terrorist. They droned him to death and killed him. The next month, they killed his 16-year-old son, for good measure, in an unconnected drone. And Obama bragged about it. He didn't make, even George W. Bush as recently as that probably would have lied and said, well, you know, he tried to kill somebody first. No, no, Obama spiked the football. And then he would joke at, at one of these dinners, he would, I'm really good at assassinating people. So this, this is where we came. And then, of course, Hillary Clinton, his secretary of state, comes out in terms of, um, uh, what was it, uh, not Saddam Hussein, um, God, uh, what was Saddam the guy? The, no, the Libyan, the Libyan guy, Qaddafi. Uh, uh, Qaddafi. Wow. Uh, after, after they killed Qaddafi, he said, he came, we came, we saw he died and it cackled like I a mean, witch. She laughed. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a Kamala a Jones laugh. 
Yeah, yeah. Where do we go from the left that Hillary Clinton was supposedly a part of in 1976 that would have been against assassinating Hitler to openly celebrating the death of people? And since that time, everyone in government now openly talks about killing people. They don't mind. Look at during Trump. Trump killed the Soleimani guy who I'd never even heard of, but they claimed was one of the top terrorists in the world in Iran. And so at, at the end, they, they celebrated no one. And that was some of the few good, uh, good press that Trump got. The left didn't condemn him for that because they said, you're killing more people. What do you mean? What are you doing? That, so that's where we are now. Nobody's going to, I mean, and they, this is the left supports all war. I mean, look what they're doing with Russia. They want World War III at this point. It's, it's a fault on both sides. I'm not talking about political parties. I'm talking about it's the fault of the speaker, and it's also the fault of the public for accepting that as well, too. There's this weird thing or mentality out there, which is anything but that other side that's not yours. And when you hear Hillary Clinton make a, a statement like that, if you're a Hillary Clinton supporter, even if it's something you might not agree with, you just have to support and just blindly cheer. Um, and then when that starts to become accepted, that's what gets popularized in media and that's what gets shown. So then you have this weird drift where people go, I guess it's OK. I guess it's normalized. Like, I mean, if you were opened up to the idea of how many covert action abilities or how many things that were going on under the works, um, besides looking back in history, but the stuff that's going on now, you might know a lot about it. But I mean, to the general public, would they just be like, huh, well, my life really hasn't, you know, I'm I'm fine. And they'll just accept it and then move forward. And that's like one of the most dangerous things, because then it like I remember talking about uh, autonomous vehicles on my show and the guy was like, yeah, one day you're never going to have to No, no humans ever going to have to drive. They're all going to be autonomous. And I go, well, what's the restrictions for like, you know, if somebody, um, you know, wants to drive their car, but maybe they don't do something. I'm like, what would some restrictions be? He was like, well, like level five auton autonomous vehicles. It's like convicts people like that, you know, things like you can't vote, you know, like they can't vote. So it's like probably won't be able to have an autonomous vehicle. They'll probably have to take lifts everywhere. I go, when does that uh, sliding scale get moved to people that just don't pay their bills on time or maybe refuse to vote or maybe do something that can obviously be. And then he kind of went silent on me. I go, well, you have to think about these because there's not just a, we're going to stop here. The goal line always moves. And I bring this up a lot and people can agree with me and disagree with me. And I've talked to plenty of people in the WHO about this it's not crazy to think that after this whole entire covid stuff and mandating a bunch of things that not even a couple months after it's all over with they take away the ability to have an abortion you let people make the medical decisions for you and they don't know they don't have a sensor filter they don't know what's like commonly accepted and what's not commonly accepted. You can debate me on that, but I will stand strong by that point. That had been settled for 50 something years and it randomly just pops up out of nowhere like a, a throw from left field. It is ridiculous. And I, I mean, people are going to have different takes on abortion. I think as a human being, you are in title to your own autonomy and decisions if you want to do drugs i don't support you but god damn it i'm not going to force you to do anything that i just because it doesn't fit my preference that's not who we are as people people make their own damn decisions and i think even with that i mean you see the sliding scale start to move and that could be a controversial take to anybody hearing this that's fine but i stand strongly with trying to give people a platform to share their perspective share their thoughts because i believe in individual freedoms and your own perspective and doesn't mean i have to agree with you it just means that I'm going to hear your perspective out. And through that COVID whole topic, 
there has been, I've talked to both sides of that, two different vaccine lawyers that'll tell you the positives and some that'll tell you the negatives. And then it's weird how we only give a platform to one or one's accepted on the platform guidelines to be able to talk about it because it boosts the official narrative. And I don't think that's right. It's like Wikipedia editing. I mean, Wikipedia is telling me Operation Mockingbird only lasts three months and 1963 and i'm about to show you a document here in a little bit that it was from 1964 telling news outlets that they need to fall in line with this narrative so there's a lie so it's like i don't know what you want me to believe in what we can call conspiratorial for god's sakes i know anderson cooper is out there right now he's you know he he was admittedly recruited by the cia when he was in college as so many of them are but you know you're you're, the slippery slope argument is is exactly what i talked about you can't have these kinds of uh, if you and you need to be consistent, and of course, to people. And again, I'm obviously I'm, I'm finishing up a book now. It's going to be tentatively titled "Masking the Truth." It's going to be about this entire COVID thing. From the I was dubious about it from the very beginning, still dubious. Obviously, more more as I get. And uh, one of the things uh, uh, regarding abortion, and I think the abortion issue crops up just at that time again to create a, a clash, because it brings up the obvious point of my body, my choice that interferes with uh, most people who are pro-abortion are, are very much pro-vaccine. So that's why the, the people, well, what about my body, my choice? Why don't I have the right whether or not to put a vaccine in my body? Oh, that's different. So again, it brings up the inconsistency. It's all the old argument about if you're really, I'm, I'm pro-life in all forms. I, I, I believe all life is sacred. So I've always been very much against capital punishment. But that issue alone, the, the abortion and capital punishment thing is always, there's not very little crossover. Most people are pro-abortion. Well, imagine if you could go back to the night before Hitler was conceived and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you could you could carry it back that far. But most people that are pro-abortion are anti. Well, they used to be. Maybe not now because the left has changed so much. But it used to be they were anti-capital punishment, and most people, almost all pro-lifers, pretty much are pro-capital punishment. So again, they say you you either think life is sacred or not. You know, and so I I, I like the consistency of it, but. I agree. I think abortion is a complex issue, and it's uh, that was a distraction. I think, uh, and I, why it was brought up at that point, I don't know, and why the court decided to be so controversial and activist on that issue when they have really not been on the other issue. For instance, they refused to even look at any evidence of election fraud, and they literally wouldn't look at it. Well, that just that just came recently. Um, I think it was oh god, I forgot who it was. Was on the in the they did a giant meeting about it and i heard this a long time ago and i've talked about this on my show at length the people who worked at google about this as well too which probably wasn't an appropriate discussion to have but um robert epstein on joe rogan's podcast was the one that found out that they gave over 2.6 million votes um to hillary clinton just on the basis of good campaign advertising on facebook and other types of these apps he's also the one that proved that the top 10 facebook pages um obviously on Facebook are Russian troll farms, their pages, their bot pages. And the top one is my baby daddy ain't shit because they just found a good algorithm that realizes that there's a bunch of single mothers out there that hate men or their ex-husbands or things of that sort. And they went on to that. There's also a top religion page and a top. So, I mean, the influence, if you really think about it, doesn't even mean like, I mean, he's a Hillary supporter and he was exposing all this issue because he believed in a fair democratic election. But I mean, this idea of election fraud, I mean, it's not 
I mean, I, I wouldn't say like every, probably every single election has a fraud in it somewhere. There's always something that's going on that you're not able to predict. But I think that's not crazy. But people say that's conspiratorial, but they'll say it if their other, the other side wins and they'll say it's obviously a fraud. And it's like, there's no double standards on this. An assassination against one person is an assassination against anybody that they choose as a national security threat. It's like, it's what really pisses me off about like community guidelines on YouTube and all this. And I hear, look, I don't, this, the one thing that pisses me off is the fact that someone tells me I can't talk to somebody that I want. I just want to get their perspective on. I get in the comments sometimes. How dare you platform this person? First of all, this is a free fucking show. You give me some money, you get some input, but it's, I keep it that way for a reason. Cause I want to talk to in, in, in our lives as human beings, we have never been told that questions were bad, but, that's the way it is. And sadly, in education system, they taught you, you can always ask a question. Well, you find out in the real world, it's not like that at all. And also, who are you going to associate with? They demonize you if you associate with certain individuals. And it's like, that's what's really bad is like, have you ever talked to that person? You have to talk to that person to know who they are at like a deeper level, but they'll hear clips and pieces. That's why I don't really edit these things. I kind of keep them raw. And I don't really give you a, I don't think I, we talked about anything we were going to cover. Um, this at all <laughs> well but, if you've talked to me enough you know this way it usually works out with me <laughs> listen to my show and you'll say i'm all over the place it's just that's just the way my mind works and it's i think that's important because you actually get a sense of you know who the person is as well too um because you can't th you're thinking right on the moment you know you're going to say some things and you know whatever and we're just going to talk and that's like what we need more of it doesn't need to always be strict interview questions when i watched anderson cooper it to me it was just like they're just trying to rebel everything fox just said and that's how it is with every single thing on both sides of the network so it doesn't matter which side you're a favorite of what really pissed me off was that when someone comes into my work and they're like hey do you mind writing your show down on a piece of paper i'm like why and they're like oh well tucker carlson said last night what you've been telling trying to tell me for a couple of months and i kind of rolled my yeah. eyes at you and i was like that guy fucking verified it really yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah. like oh my god but i actually wanted to play that if you don't mind because i think sure, go on. i don't know it's i mean there's there's certain things he said that obviously were good and then there's some things i feel like he should have had way more time to elaborate on this leads to another video i'm going to show which is james Eugenio's video on walsh's program which i thought i have very difficult feelings on that one but i'll explain in a minute questions the government doesn't feel like answering but despite 60 years of name calling those questions have not disappeared in fact they have multiplied with time and here's one of them in April of 1964, a psychiatrist called Louis Joylin West visited Jack Ruby in his isolation cell in a Dallas jail. According to West's written assessment, he found that Jack Ruby was, quote, technically insane and in need of immediate psychiatric hospitalization. Those are conclusions that, puzzlingly, no one who had spoken to Jack Ruby previously had reached. Ruby had seemed perfectly sane to the people who knew him. Louis Joylin West pronounced him crazy. But what, what West did not say was that he was working for the CIA at the time. Louis Joylin West was a contract psychiatrist for the spy agency. He was also an expert on mind control and a prominent player in the now infamous MKUltra program in which the CIA gave powerful psychiatric drugs to Americans without their knowledge. So of all the psychiatrists in the world, what in the world was this guy doing in Jack Ruby's prison cell? The media did not seem interested in finding out. Okay. In fact, what he left out in that was something that's very, very important. Jack Ruby had five psychiatrists and the one that administered Jack Ruby with a flu shot for, quote, walking pneumonia 
was Luis Joyon West. Now, it's just like the autopsy. They could have had anybody at Parkland fly down there in a matter of an hour or two hours and be able to have anybody come through that was obviously verified at doing an autopsy or had done one before. But no, they didn't do that. And also the fact is you could have had any psychiatrist. You had four others that weren't MK Ultra people, but you had an MK Ultra guy. Now, that is either the biggest fucking coincidence I've ever seen in my entire life, but it starts to get a little bit more clear when you realize that Alan Dulles was in charge of MK Ultra with Richard Helms. So there is a big and now I will preface with this little thing. It might be critical thinking on my part. Alan Dulles probably didn't know exactly everything that MKUltra was doing, but he knew the basis and the template of the program. Joyon West was a UCLA professor who was also in charge of where Manson got his drugs at, which was that hate Ashbury. He was also the person that cooked an elephant on LSD. It's a live video you can watch on YouTube, but he was also in charge of that MKUltra, or not MKUltra, um, Operation Midnight Climax project about drugging Johns randomly in brothels. So... He was getting his students to say, you're going to dress up as hippies and take some of these experiments out into the field by drugging people's drinks. Those are letters that Tom O'Neill exposed, which is nuts to me because everyone's like, I knew this for years. I was like, fucking Tom O'Neill was the one that got the letters from the Freedom of Information Act. So unless some other person revealed it earlier, which I haven't seen any record of, then you guys have been secretly making all these connections and you're, I don't know. To me, I don't know. But I think that's a big coincidence, which is with these joy on west figure and i think that's a reasonable question to ask go a little bit farther go into jack ruby psychiatric records like i did find his signature joy on west at the bottom right find out why he administered a flu shot to him for walking pneumonia now why if he's a minister of flu shot is he having an adverse reaction to the flu shot because afterwards he starts having horrible visions of jews burning in streets and his brother's like legless and i'm like look I've taken plenty of flu shots in my day, and I've never had that type of reaction. But I guess that's why they make you wait 15 minutes at the pharmacy where you get one. Um, just in case you start, you know, gobbling like a turkey and, you know, jumping on the, the rafters or something. I mean, these are reasonable questions to ask. Yeah, no, actually. And, and you're it's and again, I, I would I will see what happens with Tucker Carlson if he delves deeper into this or not. If his brakes go out on a high bridge. Well, if, if he if he continue, if he really devotes like if this becomes like an investigation you can see i mean that's not the mainstream media is not allowed to do any investigating especially something like a subject like this because the kennedy assassination would have such a domino effect on so many other things the best part is this is going to be my christmas episode i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) but um so you know, I, I don't I don't know what it means, but you you certainly are, and that you can always when you quibble with the reporters, certainly they're they're not gonna they're only gonna go. I mean, he had he devoted like seven minutes to it or something, which is a long for him. It's a long segment, but they can only go so far in, into something like that. It'd be interesting to see. He has another show, which is that's the one I would hope to get on sometime. His producer has one of my books, Survival of Riches, and I'm still hopeful. You know, that that they because uh, Naomi Wolf, you know, who's a friend of mine, wrote the forward to it and has been on Tucker many times. So hope. But they would need something like that to have somebody who uh, like me or anybody that's been researching the JFK for a long time to sit for an hour like that, where you can really go into depth for it. Because I think that's well, I'm sorry, that, I think that's where his opinion may. If you take the innocent explanation, of course, and I, I understand, see, my world, the conspiracy world. Where I do believe, I accept almost all these things as conspiracies. And I think we're being run by conspirators. This is the way they do business. They don't know any other way. 
they they couldn't be honest. I don't think, you know, like Jonathan Swift uh, wrote Gulliver's Travel back in the 1700s. He talked about the judges of his day being so corrupt that you couldn't bribe them to do the right thing. I think all our leaders at this point are so corrupt that you couldn't bribe them to do the right thing. So this is just the way they do, but they don't know any other way. They recoil from it. So I think that uh, if if you look at that, and I lost my train of thought, what was I going to say? That, um, that, that basically... Um, Welcome to Out of the Blank Podcast. Happy to have. Yeah, you. yeah. I was. This this is what happens, Robbie. When I go down these roads, I I well, lose I like my it. original train of thought. <laughs> I like it because the, the best part about this is is like this is what they should have done on news segments where they actually give you a full hour to be able to talk about what you want to talk about. I mean, I've had people on my show that have denied being on major news networks. It's not because I have more publicity than them. I clearly I don't, but it's an actual thing of like I'm going to give you as much time as you need to be able to talk about the things that you need to talk about, which is what should be done in this. I mean, I, I want to show you this, and then this might may, might make you remember. But this is the ramifications of Tucker Carlson's interview with um, or just talking about this. This is a really good interview. I reached out to Jim. I complimented him on this because he did the one thing I'm happy that he did is that when the dumb guy asked him the question, "Who do you think killed Kennedy?" he says, "I'm not even worried about that. I want more documents." That's a everybody can agree with that. There is no reason to do that. But this guy clearly was just hopping on the you know the the train of trying to sell the conspiracy angle, which is going to eventually occur later down the road. But look at these documents and. Did you have three days or a day to look that? at these documents? Look at 13,000. <laughs> well, I, I had an opportunity to look at some of them. And um, let me give you an example of what I mean. This is supposed to be a four-page document. Look at page two. There's nothing on it. All right. Then look at page three. There's like one sentence on it. There's another document. And this is a very serious problem that people have. Look at this page. You can barely read it. It's illegible. You know, the, and I think what people get angry about who are really serious about this subject are that the National Archives has had a very, very long time to go ahead and get this ready. I mean, I'm not talking months. I'm not talking years. I'm talking decades, you know, which they knew that this was going, this day was going to come. And yet, you know, and we still get these documents that are so unsatisfactory. All right. Now, let me let me uh, if you don't mind, if I can say um, one of the documents that I thought was so interesting is that. The Warren Commission is very puzzled about how Oswald got into the Soviet Union so fast from the city of Helsinki. And they're writing letters to Richard Helms who was the deputy director of the CIA at the time, asking him about this problem. Because there's always been this suspicion that w was Oswald a false defector, okay? But they want to know how, to he how the heck did Oswald get into the Soviet Union in like four days when he was in the capital of Helsinki in, in, in Finland? They, ju they just can't figure it out. And, and the reason they can't figure it out is they've queried these other capital cities and their Soviet embassies, and no one could get a visa that fast. So this leads to the question, did Oswald know where to go in order to get into the Soviet Union that quickly? And there's another related problem with this. The, the Warren Commission says that Oswald had about $700 on him when he uh, went, to, went to Europe. When Oswald was there in the city of Helsinki, 
he stayed at two, and I'm being conservative, four-star hotels. Mm. Uh, the other, the first hotel he stayed at, the Hotel Torney, that was more like a five-star hotel. That's the kind of place that Nelson Rockefeller <laughs> and uh, Pre President Hoover, okay, they, they stayed at. It doesn't add up. And this what part. does your gut tell you? I know you can't prove everything. What is your gut screaming at you right now? I want to see the rest of the documents. L l let me give you a hint. They wanted them to say CIA should it. be there, but that's yeah, not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back during the days of the House Select Committee, a couple of researchers wrote a paper called Was Oswald an Agent of the CIA? They declassified 600 pages today from the House Select Committee. And I don't see that one in there. What happened to it? Why is it gone? You know, why can't we see that? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's interesting things. I mean, there's a factor of why when he went to New Orleans in jail, he immediately requested to see an FBI agent. Um, James Angleton is also on a list of documents in the 2022 release, which goes a little bit more with Morley's theory. Um, obviously, Angleton was moving him around as well, too. I like the one we thought of earlier about this, getting him in school from the universities and stuff like that. I mean, they had influence in academia for a long time, which the commission considered a problem. But as long as they had consent um, from the people that were involved that knew the full capabilities of what clandestine operations they were going into. The real fact here, and this is what is not a conspiracy, this is what justified is. When Oswald threatened to blow up the, the FBI three weeks before the assassination, he left a note. The accounts on the Wikipedia page, and Wikipedia is where people are going to go. doesn't matter if it's a history book. doesn't matter. It's the first thing when they type it in, they're going to click the very first link, and that's always at the top of the link. What it says is there that Oswald threatened to blow up the police station. Then it says period, and I told you this on the panel. It says varying accounts go from whether he threatened to blow up the police station or – he said to report this to higher authorities. This is not like ordering a Coke and you got a Diet Coke. This is like something huge. And then later down below, the person that took the note that was Hosty, who Oswald was threatening apparently, he said the note said that he was going to blow this up as in reporting it to the higher authorities. So, I mean, unless the language he was ahead of, I mean, that's what we say now. I'm, I'm going to blow it up. I'm going to blow it up. That's what kids say now. So unless it's like that, Host, he said it was reporting it to the higher authorities, and then he didn't have the note because he was told to destroy it by his person that was above him after the assassination obviously happened because I guess they didn't want it to trail back to them. So here's the fact. The Secret Service failed their jobs. Nobody was punished. Here's the fact. That police station destructed evidence or destroyed evidence. That's a fact. Who else destroyed documents that were involved? Who else messed with medical autopsies or covered up some things? Who moved a bullet wound from six inches on the back? to up to his neck so there's real issues here and you can't just say that it's all oh, because they there couldn't be a conspiracy we would have went to a whole another world war i get that but there's obstruction of justice and obstruction of truth so the fact that there's lingering questions that's the fact that's what we know that's what has been proven so that needs to be updated in the history books until whatever else gets released as well too well, yeah, and I, I agree with you, but I, the one thing about the Eugenio's interview, I think he did a good job, but I would I would have answered that question differently because that, that, he was basically served up a softball on uh, national for millions of people. And when he said, what's your gut? I would have I would have said, well, after decades of research, I know that the evidence shows that whoever killed JFK, it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. 
I would have thrown that out there to make sure. And then if, he, if Jesse said something, said, well, we don't have time to get into that. Maybe another discussion or something. But I, we need to see the rest of the files. There's no reason to withhold anything if he did it alone. But so I think he lost an opportunity to, to put that out there because, it looked, I mean, people that don't know who he is might look as if he was his. And, well, I just need to see more documents, which we do. Well, they but only gave him two points. He had seven that he was going to go through. He didn't know the interview was going to be that short. So they, they they cut it quick. They were looking for something quick that they could put in for a couple of minutes or something like that. So, I mean, even if you said that, then it would just be taken out of context. and You wouldn't be able to explain yourself. And then people would really call you a conspiracy theorist. Well, that, I mean, that's, you know, again, I, I guess it's because I don't I don't mind that. I, I wear that mantle with and as people tell me all the time. It's like, OK, you're calling me a conspiracy theorist. What's my theory? What am I theorizing? I'm not theorizing anything. I'm telling you that this is this is this. This is, you know, this whatever particular point we're discussing. Uh, this this is this is what I'm talking about. I'm not theorizing. I'm showing you their own evidence. It's much like the original critics of the Warren Report were, were great at doing. The best ones, you know, Sylvia Marr, Weisberg, uh, Mark Lane, they really didn't do a whole lot of theorizing when they first wrote their books. They used the Warren Commission's own evidence that they got largely from the FBI, and they showed how it didn't match with their conclusions. That was the whole basis of the early reports. And then people like me, we took the time to go to our libraries and and, and go through those ridiculous hearings and 26 volumes of hearings and exhibits, which are largely meaningless. But you find some gems here or there. And uh, if you, you do verify what they're saying. So if they said, this is what it says, I would go and look. And with their, sometimes the critics, you know, exaggerated a little bit, very seldom though, very seldom. But for the most part, they told the truth. They, they said, this is what it shows and it is what it shows. So I just would have, I think it was great that we had that opportunity. I don't know if we'll get that opportunity again, because uh, it, it didn't look like Jesse would have ridiculed him, but I don't know, maybe he would have, he might've jumped all over him or something. I don't know. But um, certainly, I don't know the Tucker would either. But uh, I think the whole thing was helpful that it, that it's out there. But it might just easily just go right away and never be mentioned again. So we'll we'll see what happens. I'm gonna pull this up, and I think this is interesting. And this is where I said, "There's that." Whenever you hear that one out of a million that says, "Hey, this is an Israel thing," you're kind of like, "What the fuck is going on in the world?" Um, that's real conspiracy to me. But then I read this, and this is from the AAR. This is from the. It says ARRB. Unless that's the real thing. I thought it was two A's, not two R's. Um, no, it's ARB's two R's. Assassinations Records Review Board. Okay. I've been saying it wrong. Sorry. Um, so this is just this, this is like it's really that line right then down Clarence there. Clarence Israel. <laughs> so if you if you kind of like look at this, it said a man named Clarence Israel, deceased of Rockville, Maryland, told Taylor that his brother deceased and no name given was one of two African American orderlies present in the autopsy room of the medical center on the day of the autopsy israel told his brother um, he had not mentioned the story to anyone including his wife and daughter who his brother outlived his brother wanted to ensure that his story was known because he was verbally threatened by a guard at the time of the autopsy so this is just right here it says taylor said that african-americans during this time period were often ignored and that non-african-american workers in many workplaces would assume that african-american presence did not count she believed that these activities were done in their presence with the perception that the activities would have ever been reported. So whatever he's about to say on the basis of that they weren't accounted in the room because of this whole civil rights thing and a bunch of issues that were going on back then, that makes a lot of sense. But it says right here, Israel told her the orderly saw one doctor was in the autopsy room at the medical center who was waiting for someone 
sometime prior to the arrival of the body and other physicians. When the body arrived, many people were forced out of the room and the doctor performed some type of mutilation of three bullet punctures to the head area. The doctor was working at a varied, hurried pace and was done within a few minutes, at which point he left the autopsy room. Taylor believes she may have Israel's obituary, which may provide more information about the family and other relatives, which may know more about the story. I thank you for the time and yada, yada. I think that's really important um, that I know Lifton eventually later debunked his own theory or kind of blew up his own theory. I mean, it does. I know like the whole bashing in the head to get the fragments out. I don't believe that, but I believe like maybe like being able to kind of, I mean, the whole Zapruder film does not match like the official autopsy photos. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of things, like, even with the Lee Harvey Oswald photo um, in the back, you know, the rifle, the papers, and the gun on the hip. If that photo is not manipulated, then the J. Edgar Hoover and address photo that I have isn't manipulated either. Well, if they can manipulate the Hoover photo back then, then they can manipulate the Oswald photo. So you got like this double, like, which one do you want to give up ground first? Because slowly I'm going to break you down to getting you to the level of what you deem a conspiracy. Right. Well, and that's that's a very interesting document you had. And uh, certainly- um, I'm trying. I'm yeah, no, no, that is, that's great. RB, and you, know, you see, you've gone over more documents. I, I have a team of uh, people that help me out a lot. I, I call them the three searchers and uh, the three people. And they, uh, they, they were the Hidden History 3, which is that the publishers now hopefully be coming out next year. I, I dive deeply, deeply into 9 11, but really in the JFK assassination and JFK Jr. Because again, I'm the only one that's consistently researching JFK Jr. as an assassination. I believe firmly believe it was. So it's going to be a lot more deep diving there. Uh, but I, I would have loved to have seen that. I would have included something like this in the book. Too bad I didn't know, know you there. You're doing some great research. So uh, I got one like more. You, uh, can I show one more? Sure. This is this is exactly what we were talking about. Let me interrupt you. I just, this is like, to me, it's like the MK Ultra shit. And I know we both are definitely invested into that. So this was in the new release that I took a screenshot of. I sent this to Jim and I sent this to Larry Hancock. I sent this to a bunch of people and they're like, this is actually really interesting, which I was like, good job, Robbie. You're doing great, doing doing okay stuff. But it said blank and it's they blank out her name. So I don't know if anybody else can piece this together. Here's another thing about the 2022 release. There was a letter that went out that said Oswald stole like a Bible or thing. That was published in 2017, but it was all in Spanish. I used Google Translate and I showed it on the show already. So most of the 13,000 documents that were released were republished from 21 and 17. And they might've had some less redactions, but a lot of them looked like they just took it and swiped it right over. There was not anything new about it. I had, and the only reason I think I was aware of that was because I've been doing this all in three months while you guys have had years to kind of go through. So you might've forgot some things or something like that, but that's fine. Um, I'm also like obsessed with this, no sleep. Um, <laughs> back to the thing. Stated the following information be, uh, began coming back for her earlier this year and it credits her lapse of memory to a drug-induced amnesia administer her on a order of a Central Intelligence Agency employee. During the week of March 21st, 1961, after returning from lunch and overheard a conversation between blank, blank, and possibly blank, um, all U.S. employees of the Central Intelligence Agency, which took place in, in the Central Intelligence Agency office located on the second floor of blank, she stated that she does not recall who was talking, but that the conversation can Concern the fact that the president was not doing what was good for the country, especially about Vietnam, and that he had to be done away with within the next five years. She stated the following. This remark, the group noticed that she had returned and the conversation was terminated. Blank stated that the following Friday, she was given a U.S. Army orders by blank, blank, 
the personal officer to travel to an unrecalled army medical facility for blank for a polio inoculation. She stated that upon arriving at the medical facility, she was injected with some type of drug, which the medical technician later told her she uh, was a drug which would make her forget everything. Plank stated that she now recalls that the technician told her that she would even forget getting the shot and that upon returning to her office, she was questioned about the injection by blank. And she remembers that she told him that apparently she had received a polio inoculation, but did not recall the time of receiving it. That is in the 2022 release. Okay. So as much as like, you can't talk about shots on fucking YouTube, that's our government releasing that and talking about that. So like, I don't know what they expected people to do with that. And I don't even consider that until I get the evidence on the basis of those medical orders. I want to see the letter that was sent to her saying that she needs to arrive at this facility at this time for that inoculation, because that's still hearsay from her opinion. But also if she worked at the central intelligence agency and she worked in the military, doesn't matter if you got a pension, you're not fucking getting shit from them after saying something like that. (laughs) So you got to put weight into that. Yeah, well, again, the very interesting document. But the problem is that's why the, the redactions just make some of these things largely worthless. I mean, that's a very intriguing document, but there's no way to find out anything else because every single name is redacted. So you'd have to how do you, how do we even guess at that? I mean, if one thing, if maybe one name got through, but nothing does. So I'll have to look back through it because I've heard that name before she's there's a document where her name was published in one of them i just that was in the new release okay well then you you gotta you gotta be really diligent i'm glad people like you are out there doing that because you have to try to look because that, that's the thing they're trying to but at this point you know i try to and it's what i tried to tell the research community for so long and they just i don't they don't want to hear me i think we get lost in a morass of details and when we get too excited about the documents being released, it's, again, I don't think there's going to be a smoking gun there. And like Mark Lane used to say when they used to ask him, uh, well, you know, what evidence, what new evidence do you have? And he would always say, I don't need any new evidence. The old evidence shows that there was a conspiracy. And that's my point is to stress constantly, this has never been, if they ever gave me a platform, I would try to do that with the two minutes I was allotted. It'd be hard. I'm trying. Yeah, well, you're giving me the platform, but I'm saying if I ever had Fox News or something where I, you know, I, I knew that I had millions of people out there, it'd be very, you know, stressful. But I, I would try to stress the point that this has uh, never been investigated. The Warren Commission did not investigate anything. As 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 Mark Lane, one of his best comments was when he was talking about the Warren the Warren uh, report was broken into I don't know six sections or something like that, and they had things like the life of Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, uh, the Jack Ruby. Uh, Oswald's motivation, all this kind of stuff. But as he said, you know, I would have come up with a, another category, and that's who killed JFK, because they they did they didn't do any investigation at all. They never intended to. And uh, I would stress the November twenty fifth, nineteen sixty three, memo from Nicholas Katzenbach, who was running the Justice Department, because Bobby Kennedy was effectively neutered by his he was completely out of it. So his assistant Katzenbach was running things. And he sent the memo to Bill Moyers, future PBS star still alive, uh, who was LBJ's aide. And uh, you've seen it. The public must be satisfied that Oswald was the assassin. They had no Confederates at large. This is Oswald's body still warm. Same day. No, no government that isn't complicit in some way puts out a memo like that. This is the head of the Justice Department. If he had put out a memo, the first thing he should have said was, look, now, now that the chief suspect is dead, 
we have to leave no stone over, you know, unturned. We have to figure out, was there a connection between Ruby and Oswald? You know, was there anybody else involved? Instead, it was it was to say, no, the public must be satisfied Oswald did it alone. And it's, it even says questions about his motivation ought to be cut off, which is what, interestingly, later this, the CIA memo in 1967, which, which pretty much popularized the term conspiracy theorists, uh, they talk about that. You know, let's not get into details. Don't get lost in the, uh, the minutia like Mark Lane and people like we'll talk about. Don't don't talk, really question Oswald's motive. Yes, you don't talk about the details of the case at all. And that's where we still are. And so I think a lot of us get lost. The research community is, you know, they know how I feel about them and how they feel about me. But I, I think they they need to stress those kinds of things. But I, I know I'm you know, beating against a brick wall there because they're going to do what they want to do. And uh, I, you know, until I get a kind of kind of platform like that, that's going to be the, the consensus is, I think. I'm not a JFK researcher. I've only been into this three months, but what I have researched longer before I got interested in the JFK assassination was MK MKUltra um, abuses of our government, uh, especially if you read the seven page and it's not even seven pages it's actually 100 pages and seven parts about the finders guild that is located on the fbi website where at the ending of looking into abuses of child sex trafficking they said we cannot confirm or deny the possibility of agents using child and trafficking purposes and through that documentation you will find that there could have been a system or something that happened that day where they could have stopped a bunch of trafficking going on but they let it happen to make sure they can get their guy. So is that a smart strategy? Well, if you're looking from a human aspect and you got to think about kids being trafficked, are you going to wait? Or are you going to stop it as soon as you possibly can? And that's not how our government decided to tackle that probability. And they're pretty quick to deny a lot of shit. So the fact that they said they cannot confirm or deny is pretty fucking interesting. Now, like I said, all my stuff goes into a lot of COINTELPRO, a lot of MKUltra, a lot of that really dark stuff where I've read the intelligence reports. I just started coming across it, which has piqued my interest into the assassination, which is why I got into invested into this and start realizing they're using a lot of these tactics here one well, thing go ahead no well what's well, great that you're doing it because we we need fresh you know fresh faces and you're you're doing a, you've done a lot if you've only been doing this for three months but i uh my book hidden history which you you, uh, you should read if you haven't read I, I go through a lot of this i uh the finders i think that was the group that was uh arrested they found a couple people that were uh nero made a movie about it yeah, well, this is, that's the group that they found the kids on the playground that were all dressed very dirty and everything. Is that, is that the group? It might be some other group, but uh, it was, and they were tied to the CIA by the DC police. And uh, they found um, the, a bunch of bizarre stuff in, in one of their uh, a warehouse they were using, which included tons of human uh, waste material and stuff in jars. And just, well, they were swimming in it. It was human feces that they were swimming in. That's like the weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, just bizarre, but uh, they, of course it was completely washed away. Now, uh, I wrote, I have a whole section of hidden history about uh, the child sex scandals, including focusing a lot on Franklin Credit, uh, which was John DeCamp and uh, Larry King, not the Larry King we know, but the big fat black Larry King, who was a big Republican star at the time. But, uh, you know, there was mysterious deaths there. A couple of kids died very strangely. The investigator, Gary Caradori, died in a plane crash. I had Lauren Schmidt, who is still alive, I think. He was 90 or 92 or something at the time I had him on my show. He hadn't done an interview for years, and uh, I was very grateful that he was on there. But these are the kind of things that Bill Colby, William Colby, was involved in. And I, I use that quote from him all the time in my work that he told John DeCamp, you know, it doesn't matter how. Well, he was exposed in the Franklin scandal. 
Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, you know how he 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 died as befitting a CIA director in a strange canoe accident, supposedly, and uh, so these these things are all there. There's so you know many things. Crazy? That, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I had no, John, John. I have an unpublished interview of John Prado saved on my computer, and now he's no longer with us. I'm probably never going to publish it. But I asked him about the Franklin scandal. He had no idea what I was talking about. Then I went into the Phoenix program. He had no idea what I was talking about, and I pulled up the Phoenix program on air, and I was like, "Why are you lying to me?" And it got really awkward. I think it ended after 35 minutes. It might have been like closer to Mike. I mean, this was like probably around the time I spoke to Jefferson Morley. Um, so that was months ago. So, I mean, I have that saved on my computer where I was just like, there are patriots in the intelligence community that don't want to acknowledge a lot of this horrible stuff. I had somebody tell me that the CIA never said in their charter that they don't have to activate on domestic land. And I'm like, I just read the church committee report in the middle of the night last night, and they definitely stated in there about like, yeah, you cannot activate on domestic land, but apparently they were given some right to depending on what their actions were. And that was wiretaps. And then now we know from past documents as well, too, that they were doing way more than wiretaps. It's that sliding scale that ends up getting moved. But I think you're talking about the Franklin scale, not the scandal, not the, um, the finders, the finders was a little bit, it's like similarities to, uh, bohemian grove and shit well, well the, the finders i think that's the one i can't i can't remember but i i wrote about that in hidden history i'm pretty sure that's the one because they had all the human feces they found in the thing and they they basically found a bunch of kids unattended at a park who were dirty and disheveled and almost didn't seem to like they didn't seem to know basic stuff they were homeless. You know, like they, but yeah yeah and uh so uh they again the dc police but that shows how, how corrupt these things are because the dc police covered up because there was some kind of CIA connection. And there's, this is, this obvious in my, my, uh, I'm sure you've heard of Dave McGowan who wrote weird scenes inside the Canyon. This is a guy who, uh, I've, I've often been compared with. He's, uh, I've never even seen the JFK movie. So. Oh, okay. Well, you're, well, you're just new to this, but Dave McGowan, weird scenes inside the Canyon talks about Laurel Ridge. And I touched on a lot of that in my book about showbiz on Bard fame, but Dave was one of the first ones to, he, he, there's, you can still find it online. It's called the, he called it the pedophocracy. And it's still out there. And he talked about these things uh, in all countries. Uh, it happens all around the world. This childhood sex uh, trafficking thing is real. No question about it. And I, I can't begin to tell you why. I mean, I don't understand why that seems to be the go-to move when people did get you, enough. Did you think it was weird that they had Gabby Petito on the news for like a couple of months talking about this missing influencer? I'm like, how many fucking kids go missing a year? And the news just does not report on it. But then you get this blonde. They made a documentary about her, too, where I was like, damn, how the hell did the family accept that? I would have lost my shit. Well, there and that's, you know, you can go to John Bede Ramsey or people like that. They're uh, they trot out certain cases. And there's no there's no there's no denying the fact that they go for attractive faces a lot of times. You know, they get people's uh, they're more interested in it. You know, know okay, what I well, like to blonde. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be, yeah, but Sam, if they so you, you know, they're you're just gonna be more most people are gonna, oh, that's tragic. You know, like it wouldn't be tragic if she wasn't attractive, but that's the way we think as human beings. But you know, unfortunately, you get I that uh, that Gabby girl, she's one of the many, and that's why I go down these rabbit holes where the people analyze these things and they start thinking, you know, is this real? Is there a Truman show aspect to it? You know, why did they pick her? You know, and did that even really happen? Are these actors pretending it did? Who know? I mean, I, I don't know, man. There are questions about all these things that you find. And uh, that's why I don't I don't shy away from any of it. I don't I don't theorize about it at all, but I ask the questions. Well, your style is important because you're you're 100 percent in diving into it. 
um, like the conspiracy stuff, you're okay to talk about this stuff. And I'm open to talk about that too. I mean, I think I'm on the same level with you on that, but I also still have one foot in how, like, I'm also in the back of my mind thinking, how is someone who has never looked into this before going to react to hearing something like this with no prior evidence to show that? So I try and keep that like for the audience. I try and be like, Hey, there's a prior event to this. So I think that's important, but like, here's another thing. I, I just got more. I wanted to show about the 20, uh, 2022 release um a couple of these documents i found so far well this is um to this is from scott beckenridge to lyle miller and it's just this part here we estimate that there were very that very close to 50 professional employees were involved in this activity on either a daily or reoccurring basis we have identified 12 of these being involved on a daily basis there obviously were others involved on occasion but not regularly in addition there were a number of secret secretarial and clerical uh, employees who provided support, but who are not counted. The number may be greater than the 50 professionals estimated above. Attached for your information, but not to release, the Downing Committee is the summary worksheet on this. This memorandum is classified confidential because of its attachment. But they're talking about, we surveyed the DDO, DDA, and DDI components for a statement of the number of employees engaged in support of the investigation by the Warren Commission. It was difficult to reconstruct this with reliability, and many of those were involved no longer being available. Names have been taken from old records and, and uh, memories of those involved in some of this time. But this is like they had people on the freaking um, obviously that were supporting the Warren Commission, the official statements. I don't I'm not gonna, probably gonna be able to scroll up top because I got my bar up in the way. But one more, I guess you got one more. And it kind of confirms um, that, which is this one that I found. Um, give me one second. Right here. 2022 release again. Russ Holmes brought in the attached list of names found on the papers in the Oswald file. As people whom were involved in the Warren Commission investigation, it shows 39 persons, nine of whom were involved daily to it, to, must be added unnamed secretaries, overseas case officers, and various individuals who might get involved from time to time on and HOC requests. It does not show any DI or DDI involvement. However, peripherally, it may have been. So that could be something that was taken out. The whole point of this is like it's media capture because you see it right here this is the mockingbird stuff i was talking to you about the long-awaited warren commission report on its exhaustive investigation into the assassination of president kennedy on november 22nd 1963 and the subsequent murder of lee harvey oswald by jack ruby will be sent to the white house on thursday september 24th and it'll probably be released sometime over the weekend the department of state is air purchasing copies of the report based on 20 volumes of hearings to post for selective presentation upon formal release to editors, jurists, government officials, other opinion leaders after the formal release. Um, copies of this government printing office edition will be sent to the field stations from headquarters. But it says right here, covert assets should explain the tragedy wherever it is generally misunderstood and counter all efforts to misconstrue it intentionally, provided the depth of impact warrants an action. Comment, comment, uh, Com communists and uh, I guess it's supposed to say communists, um, communists and other extremists always attempt to pr prove a political conspiracy behind violence in other countries accustomed to assassination by political conspiracy. American dedication to institutions of law and government with stable administrative procedures can be described and American presidents can be shown to have been the victim, with the exception of Lincoln, of a single functional individual. I'm just saying that because like they, the way that they they knew it was that obviously something's not right. But the way that they were pitching it to all their media assets is, hey, you guys got a bunch of communist conspiracy flooding the market. We need you to counter it. Same thing happened with Mark Wahlberg when he was on Joe Rogan or not Mark. Yeah, Mark. 
well, not Mark Wahlberg, Mark Zuckerberg, when he was on Joe Rogan, what did he say? He said the FBI reached out to him to say that there's this Russian disinformation going around and that you need to ban it or put them at the bottom of your search results and make sure you cannot send the link. And what was that Russian disinformation was the Hunter Biden laptop. I think he only waited till he was on Rogan to say that, because if you remember like a month after that, there was that whistleblower of Facebook that came out of nowhere. Nobody knew who the fuck she was. And she starts saying like Zuckerberg's corrupting. And they realized they threw him under the bus. She would have never got a court hearing if that they, the FBI or CIA, whoever government powers would have just been fine with it. I mean, for God's sakes, Ghislaine Maxwell is the only one to go to prison trafficking people to nobody. <laughs> to what nobody. is that? What is exactly. that? Exactly. Oh, again, people, I just wrote an article about that in American free press and uh, yeah, it's, and you know, again, that, what that memo is saying is basically the same thing that you saw in the, in the original uh, CIA memo countering criticism of the Warren report. This is to, you know, tell them how to do it, you know, say that, you know, basically uh, kill the messenger. Oh, that sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory. Question their motivations. Uh, basically stress the, uh, it doesn't say there, but the, what I hear all the time, and I still hear on no matter what subject it is, it's the old someone would have talked thing. I get that all the time. Well, you know, how, how big was this conspiracy? You know, I said, you know, it doesn't, first of all, most people are followers. The vast majority of people are followers. And even if you don't even have to say that I was just following orders thing. But if your pension depends on something, and most of these government officials have lucrative pensions, and they have families that I've, I've interviewed enough whistleblowers over the years to know how many of them sacrificed everything and their 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 families left them, their wives, their children, because they it disrupted their lives. They didn't think it was worth it to them. So they sacrificed everything. So... They they know that that uh, that mindset is already out there. So again, when when you see this, uh, it, it's it's very obvious what they're trying to do. That there is a, a mentality that uh, this is the tack we're going to take. This is the this is how when when they bring these things up, and again, people say someone would have talked, and I, I point out lots of people have talked. Lots of people have talked. Many of them have died unnaturally after they talked. And now lots of people are scared to talk. When, I, when I'm when i researching these hidden history books, I, I try to contact people, not only from the JFK assassination, there are a whole lot of them left, 9-11, Oklahoma City, things like that. And it's very hard to get people now. They're scared. And, and when you get a hold of them, like I when I was writing uh, the original hidden history, I got through to Seymour Weitzman is still one of my favorite People, I don't know why. I just uh, he was at the scene of everything, and then he winds up in a mental institution, the HS, where he pretty much went crazy because he knew it was a conspiracy, and uh, he didn't have kids. But I got a hold of his nephew, and the nephew just screamed at me the entire time. I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. This is fifty years later, and I could barely get a word. And I thought, you know what? What is the fear there? If it's just Lee Harvey Oswald, well, why are you telling me you know nothing? And and I. Uh, I could. I did get him to say, yeah, he went. He was institutionalized because of the J, because of what he was saying about that. That's what got him in there. But you know, those are the kind of things you you find, and you you try to talk to, but they don't answer your questions. So many of these phone numbers of people that are just they're connected to have been disconnected. Again, those people I talked about, the three searchers, they find a lot of information for me. Uh, and uh, in Hidden History Three, you'll see like there's a very email I got uh, in regards to the JFK Jr. thing, a very big email where the guy just, you know, openly ridiculed me and said, you know, I was a nut uh, for that, uh, for even questioning this. And 
it's out there. There's if if this was nothing, if there was nothing to it, then it'd be very simple to say to to respond to it. But they don't. It's always either attacking the messenger, calling us names, or fear, and we don't hear from them. So they don't. They don't. If there isn't a conspiracy, they certainly act like there was one. I think even with the last minute motorcade route change. They talked about how they wanted to get Kennedy to go right by that book depository building because there was more people standing there and they wanted to get him a little bit of publicity and attention. And I just bring up the point. I've never known the Secret Service to, you know, put up the president's safety um, second just to publicity. I mean, that's a problem in its own as well, too. I mean, drinking the night before is a whole different discussion, but there's easy things that you can obviously prove that are errors that are not included in the official report, whether it's just to protect reputations. I mean, Jack Ruby not having Dallas police connections, um, that is laughable in its own, but it shows that they weren't just protecting themselves. They were also protecting um, the department of the Dallas police. And if you say that, is that because then now they're on their side, so they might be able to distort things as well, too? I mean, these are real questions that should have been brought up. I think that a new hearing should be done with all the basis of the new evidence, and it should be publicly televised, no more closed-door bullshit. Um, it's just it needs to be fully discussed. Questions need to be asked, and people shouldn't know what those questions are in advance. Um, it doesn't, And they can't really give an answer like I don't recall. It needs to be, what do you think happened? Um, who who has the most documentation? You line up the both sides of this, like a debate when they did the hearings for Lee Harvey Oswald or the trials for Lee Harvey Oswald, and you have it out in a full-on session that brings up errors of the commission, brings up errors of the church committee, brings up so many different things and what has been exposed through documentation, and make sure that documentation is readily available so people can look at it and find the document references to it themselves. I think that is a clear, that is not a lot to ask, that's not a lot to ask. It's very simple, and it would end all of this discussion, but that's only going to happen when all the documents are going to be released. There needs to be a full rewrite of a history book. Well, there's no question about that, but I, I tried to years ago get a consensus statement for people who believe there was a conspiracy. And uh, just to say, because I, I, I start from a point of, look, I'm not going to talk about the single bullet theory and that stuff anymore. I, you know, <laughs> That was resolved decades ago. My point is, that we need to start in the critical community from start start for that whatever, if you study the evidence, and not to mention all the releases that are still coming out in documents, but if you study the initial 26 volumes of hearings and exhibits, the FBI report, the FBI documents we had at the time, the Secret Service, all the CIA, all that we've had for decades, the conclusion you come to first of all is, okay, whoever killed JFK, we know the evidence inadvertently shows that it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. So clearly, they decided to frame him as a patsy. Now, who is they? That's the question. Is they're, they're still telling you, the media is still telling you, largely, that's why this Tucker Carlson thing is so unusual, that, uh, that Lee Harvey Oswald did it. When we know the evidence, their evidence, not our evidence, shows he didn't do it. Completely proved, doesn't prove anything else, but it proves that. Now we need to know why. So, and you start from there. Okay, why did they frame this guy? Is it as I think and Jim Garrison thought that because Lee Harvey Oswald was an undercover operative of some sort, and at the time of the assassination, he was told to infiltrate a plot, and he was told to infiltrate this group of Clay Shaw, David Ferry, Jack Ruby, the anti-Castro Cubans, who I think were probably all agents too, and were probably all being manipulated the same way. They might have all been told the same thing. Hey, Jack, you know, you're infiltrating this plot, you know, although Jack Ruby's a little more complicated because clearly something was tweaked in his mind to get him to shoot Oswald. 
whether it was Jolly on West or whatever, we know somebody, you know, tweaked him because he 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 went off as a Manchurian candidate. Because how do you how do you get somebody to do that? You know, why am I going to do that? That's that's a, that's like a suicide bomber. I'm not going to do that. But I think they all were basically told that this group, and I, and I don't think that was the group that was you know planning to kill Kennedy. I think they all had their connections. But that that's my, but that that is speculation. That is a theory. I don't push too much, but I do push that Oswald didn't do it. So let's start there. But unfortunately, you still get a lot of people who still want to entertain that idea. And I no no you have because if you entertain that idea, I think it leads you down a lot of false roads because to me the the gist of it all this effort was to promote this fake idea this idea that oswald did it my question is why this guy with this incredibly interesting background why did they put so much effort in, why is it so important for them to say he did it so but that's me I, I know i'm not the only one but that that's where i stand on the on the assassination stuff i'm with you i'm just trying to find I guess points of where it's it's interesting to me that people like i've like in the middle of a show the guy who was he was a pro johnson guy who was trying to say all the good stuff about johnson and i listened to it i was interested into it but then when i mentioned the lee harvey oswald you know like i don't think he killed the president then he would like stop me and he goes no we need to talk about that and then he like mentioned you know knowing max holland and all this type of stuff and i just go well why do you think he did it and when he gives me the answer because he wanted the fame for killing the president i go then why would you state you're just a patsy like there's there's that's a quick debunk and then it's just like he immediately goes on like let's go back to the original point and it was like a sense it was getting awkward i was like well don't like that's what gets me is like if i have the documentation and i start going through some reasonable questions that can be asked that are not super far out like lizard people or anything they're just reasonable shit and you don't have an answer for it, you can't just turn around and just be like eh i don't want to talk about it anymore i was like well you were so and that's just like the people that have been platformed for so long where you know, skeptics, Michael Shermer. I've had Michael Shermer on the show before, but, you know, when he talks about the president gets multiple death threats a day. Yeah, but we don't talk about destruction of documents long after the A or the ARRB requested for them and the Secret Service destroyed them again. Those are imp important points to go up there. I mean, I could cherry pick all the information I'd like to show, but I'm really trying to check the scope of everything to make sure like nobody can really counter or bring up a, not a reasonable question. I think everyone's going to have their own thoughts about this. And if people want to fight to the end of their days saying until whatever gets released, that obviously the government did whatever they did. I just think the main thing is that you can prove a lot. You can prove through a phone call with J. Edgar Hoover and Lyndon Johnson, where he says, Jack Ruby wants to go to Washington to get a polygraph test. And Johnson says, do you trust it? It's on YouTube. You can look this up. I played it on air with Joe Green. And he goes, I wouldn't trust them a damn thing. They don't really work. They really just, and he goes into like a couple specifics, but then I go, wait, they knew that behind the scenes, how many people were falsely imprisoned? How many people were get gotten off on the fact of like a fake polygraph test that fit their narrative. And you start realizing in 2014, when the innocence project exposed that that was a lie and just junk science, it took us that long. So you start going, okay, so someone's not being honest and it might be the people that are holding the documents. So you have to start going, okay, what can we prove? We can prove there was a lot of lying back then, and there's a lot of getting their way. Let's try and update it and come at it with taking down this conspiracy aspect. I mean, I think I talked about a long time ago about psychological weapons that Biden apologized for. Try finding that article. I can't find it. And I showed it on air. So I have to go back into my episode catalog and find out when I did that. But I tried Googling it again to make sure I could find the correct thing. No, I don't. I can't find it. And I go, did Google just take that? Search results are just, and it's gotten so much harder. When I wrote the original Hidden History, 
I was researching it in, I don't know, 2012, 13. It was published in 2014. And things were much easier to find. Now, doing hidden history theory, I had to have those three people helping me. And even they had trouble with some because you, you go searching for something and they clear, and they all use Google's al algorithm now. I've got like a dozen search engines people sent to me that, hey, try this, try this. And some of them are a little better than others, but all of them use Google's algorithm in some sense. They know what you're looking for. So if you try to find a particular something, they know what it is. And you either have to go through you know, 50 pages of results, maybe you'll find it, but most of the time you won't find it at all. They'll just block it out. And it's, it's very frustrating. It makes it a lot harder to do research. I mean, I can still do it, especially with their help, but uh, they've made it a lot harder because and it's, there's no question. You search for something like that and uh, you know, it's, they have their own agenda, whatever it is, I don't know, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very frustrating. Anybody that can look at certainly Google, especially, and uh, think that they don't have an agenda, just look at some of their results. I think for a long time it was, uh, I don't know if it still is, but it was, uh, what is it? Don't say DuckDuckGo. Oh, yeah, no, DuckDuckGo, unfortunately, that uses, I used to use that a long time ago. That uses Google's algorithm. Yeah. They may be more private, but it uses their algorithm. Uh, their results are almost identical to Google, except they just, they just don't. Well, you can uh, select it from Google's browser thing. You just go change your browser. You can switch it to Yahoo, and you can switch it to DuckDuckGo. It's definitely not a Google-free uh, website. No, searcher. they all are. But it, I think at one point, if you typed in uh, Liar or something like that, something, Jerry, anything like that, It'd be all these things, pictures of Donald Trump and things about Trump. And whatever you think, that's just, that's ridiculous. That's not a search result. And uh, the people tell me if you type in white people, happy white people or something like that. Now, you don't get any white people on the search results. I mean, it's, I don't even understand what that means, but there's clearly messing with something. And it's, it's not, you know, it should be like the original search engines, Dogpile back in the day, Yahoo, when it was a big search engine. When I first started using these, they were great because you could search for something and it didn't have an agenda. It would just say, okay, this is what this guy's looking for, you know, and, and it would give you something that was based on your search. Now it doesn't, it filters through it. So if I'm looking for something, I get usually pages and pages of fact checkers to tell me how, whatever I'm trying, that's not correct. So, cause I'm trying to find a source for something and I'm writing about a particular thing like, for instance, I was trying to look at uh, Fauci's uh, involvement in the 1986 Act, which uh, made it almost impossible for uh, parents or families to sue vaccine makers for damages. It made it almost impossible. And Fauci was in, heavily involved in that 1986. Try looking for that. You can't find an article anywhere that mentions his name in conjunction with it. And that's, you know, that's not by accident. That's, uh, that's, by, that's by design. So it makes it, you know, we can still do it but we just have to work a lot harder at it. Well, Don, I know where people can find your links, but why don't you go ahead and tell them where they can find all your books and anything else you'd like to promote? Okay, well, donaldjeffries.media is my website. I write regularly at Substack, donaldjeffries.substack.com. If you if you want to go down there, it's uh, it's uh, you know it's my wild, radical, populist uh, rantings. Uh, my books, uh, the, the, hopefully I'm going to have the pandemic book, as I call it, The Masking the Truth. That's going to be coming out soon. I also have a light and fluffy Beatles book that I, I wrote with my friend Bob Wilson. That's going to be coming out soon, too. And then Hidden History 3. I have three books lined up. I don't know what order they're going to be coming out in, but my website has all my books, DonaldJeffries.media. And if you search for me, you'll probably find out more than you want to know. And I'm going to link it all in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thanks for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast.